One of our core values is everything is better in teams. You might hear that and think, I don't need anyone. Right? I'm my own person. I'm tough. I'm strong. I'm a fighter. I'm a survivor. But no matter how independent you claim to be, there are times in life that you simply just need others. When your faith is weak, you need someone to stand with you. In moments of crisis and struggle, you need a friend. Friends sacrifice for you when you're in trouble. Friends stay on their knees and they pray until the answer comes. You've probably already learned that your biggest crisis reveals your best friends. In crisis, you discover the person that you can always count on. You discover someone that you can trust with your biggest needs and your deepest fears. You discover someone who will pray for you, cry with you, and believe in you. Today, we're going to look at the story of a man in crisis who had someone that was willing to stand with him and believe God for a miracle. Let me set up the story. It's found in Mark chapter 7. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of Decapolis. Jesus was taking the long way home. It's like if you were going from Mahia to Austin by way of Midland. Now, that's just simply not a good plan. The Bible doesn't say why Jesus took the long way home. But I think that he was using this time as kind of a walking Bible college. On the long journey, which probably took about eight months, Jesus was teaching, training, and preparing his disciples. There's something else significant in these directions. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus cast a demon out of a man, and the demon went into some pigs. And instead of rejoicing, the people were afraid and frightened, and they asked Jesus to leave their town. Now, if you were Jesus, you probably would have said, fine, if after seeing that miracle, you still don't believe, I'm out of here, I'm never coming back, you're on your own. Right? You'd move on to somewhere and someone else where you were appreciated and celebrated. But today's story, this is the same area. In spite of being rejected on his first visit, Jesus came back. Aren't you glad that the first time you rejected Jesus, he didn't walk away and never returned to you and never gave up on you? You see, that's not the nature of Jesus. He wants relationship with you. Jesus keeps loving and offering opportunities to receive us. Jesus never gives up. Many of you are a testimony to that. You turned your back on Jesus and you rejected him, but Jesus never gave up on you. And in this case, Jesus went back to the very place that they had asked him to leave, and he ministered again. And this time, it was different. They were receptive to Jesus and what he was doing. There some people brought him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. Now, some people believe that they found this guy by the roadside, and they brought him to Jesus just so that they could see a miracle. But there's no evidence to support that anywhere in Scripture. I think that the deaf and mute man was a friend that they wanted to see healed. It wasn't easy to get to Jesus, but they fought through the crowd and they brought their friend to Jesus. Now, remember he was deaf. 
Not only was he deaf, but he also couldn't talk. And remember, this was before the, the days in the age of technology and computers and even before sign language. The guy couldn't even be a good beggar. He couldn't explain his need to Jesus because he couldn't speak. He needed help. He needed friends to bring him to Jesus. Listen, it's okay to need help. When you don't know what to pray or how to approach Jesus, ask someone to pray with you. If you grew up in church, especially if you grew up in a small church like I did, maybe you remember when people used to call out their prayer request on Sunday nights. Anybody remember that? And every once in a while, someone would say, I've got an unspoken request. Which, by the way, I always thought was kind of weird, because if you say you've got an unspoken request, didn't you just speak it? Um, and, and sometimes, on occasion, there'd be someone else on the other side of the church who'd go, well, I've got a special unspoken request, which essentially said, look, I don't know what their unspoken request, but I guarantee you mine is, is more important and better, so I need you to pray for it. It's special. And that's just odd to me. I'm so glad we don't do that anymore. Now, now listen, I do understand. Sometimes you don't want to share your need in front of the entire church. But you need to share your need with someone who will pray with you. People are ready to offer love, help, and support. You've got to share your need with others. So that's why we have a prayer time on Sunday mornings when you can come to the front and have somebody pray with you. Don't worry about what people think, because can I tell you what people think if you decide to come down for prayer? Man, that person must need prayer. Anybody ever needed prayer before? Right? So, so it's not weird. It's not odd. Share your needs with others so that they can pray for and with you. Now, our, our pastoral staff and our visitation teams visit a lot of people in the hospital each year. Now, still, every once in a while, I'll get an angry phone call from someone who didn't receive a visit. I ask, well, who did you tell that you were having surgery, or who did you tell that you were going into the hospital? And all of a sudden, it gets really, really quiet on the other end of the line. Then the person who is complaining about not getting a visit switches to apologizing for not letting us know that they were in the hospital. Listen, it is hard to care for, and to pray for you if you don't let us know that there's a need. By the way, just posting on Facebook doesn't let us know. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but, but we don't pay somebody full-time to sit on Facebook and scroll through all of our members' feeds to make sure that we can be praying for people. Uh, man, the easiest way is to email or call us. Let us know. Send us a text message. Listen, if you don't ask for prayer, don't think that we'll somehow magically or telepathically know to pray for you. you got to ask. Verse 32, verse 32, There some people brought him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him, Jesus, to place his hand on the man. See, they didn't give up. They stayed with it. They weren't willing to leave until their friend had been touched by Jesus. Can I tell you, that's my kind of friend right there. A friend who will see it through until there's an answer. Now, this next verse is a little bit strange to me. It says, after he left, after Jesus took him aside, away from the crowd. You see, Jesus didn't want to sensationalize the moment, so he took the man away from the crowd. 
at this point in Jesus' ministry, he had a challenge. Because people were becoming spiritual thrill-seekers that, that wanted to see cool miracles, but they didn't care about learning about the kingdom of God. And Jesus' main focus wasn't spectacular miracles. It was transformed lives and changed hearts. Jesus preferred the significant to the spectacular. Listen, I love the spectacular as much as anyone. I love to see it when people are delivered and healed. And I pray that God continues to do miracles in our church. But never forget that there is nothing more significant than a person making the decision to follow Jesus. That's the greatest miracle of all. That's the only thing that heaven stops what it's doing and celebrates. I want you to watch what Jesus did next. Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. He spit and touched the man's tongue. What did I just read? That is weird. Right? Jesus didn't follow a particular pattern or formula when ministering to people. Sometimes Jesus touched people and they were healed. Other times Jesus spoke a word and the sick person got well. I want to go through just a couple of different ways that Jesus healed people. When, when Lazarus died, Jesus waited four days and then called Lazarus to come out of the grave. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus healed a blind man named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus sat on the side of the road and he shouted to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus asked him, what do you want? And Bartimaeus said, I want to see. Jesus responded with, go, your faith has healed you. But in, in John chapter 5, Jesus met an invalid at the pool of Bethesda, a guy who hadn't walked in 38 years. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And the invalid didn't even ask Jesus for anything. He had zero faith, just a lot of reasons why he couldn't be healed. Yet Jesus healed anyways. He said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. In Luke 7, Jesus interrupted a funeral in town called Nain. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. And then, in what probably had to be the coolest moment in a funeral ever, he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And all of a sudden, the young man sat up and began to talk. Now, I want to know, what in the world did he say? Right, that had to be an incredible moment. Here was a dead guy, and he just sat up, and he was probably like, boo! Probably not what he said, but, but man, I would have loved to have been there to experience that moment. That woman knew nothing. She just happened to be at the right place at the right time when Jesus was walking by. In Mark chapter 5, two stories are told at once. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and leave. And so Jesus went with him. But on the way, Jesus was interrupted by a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. The doctors had given up. And she pressed through the crowd and she touched the edge of Jesus' robe. She was remarkably determined and she was instantly cured. 
Meanwhile, Jairus' daughter died. Yet Jesus went in the girl's room and said, get up. And she did. In John chapter 9, a blind man was healed in an unusual way. Jesus spit on the ground and he made some mud. And then he put it on the, on the man's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Shiloh. And when the man washed the mud off, he could see. Now listen, I know human nature. And if Jesus, Jesus had always done the mud pie thing, then we would eventually put our faith in the mud instead of Jesus. Televangelist would be selling miracle mud. Right, if you'll just make a, a donation of $99.95 to my ministry, I'll send you this jar of mud. And you can take it and you can rub it on whatever ails you. And you can watch yourself be healed. It would happen, wouldn't it? In Luke 17, 10 men with leprosy yelled to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus encountered another leper. And a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus broke all conventions. He broke all laws. And Jesus touched him. And he was cured. Are you getting the picture this morning? There's no formula. There's not just one method. There's not just something specific that you've got to say. There's not some specific prayer you've got to pray that you have to do or you have to ask in order to be healed. It's not about finding the prayer expert or being in the right place. Your healing is not based on what you do. Your healing is based on what God does, on His Word and on His promises. You see, Jesus used different methods for different people with different needs. Jesus used different methods for different people with different needs. Listen, you can't restrict Jesus to your preference. You don't get to decide who is qualified for a miracle. You can't dictate to God how He does it. You can't put God in your little box. But the principles are consistent. The message, the message is unchanging. But the, the methods, they change constantly. You see, most arguments in a church are not about the message. It's not about the principles. It's not about the timeless truths of God's Word. Most of the time, church arguments are about methods. Can you get saved without coming down to the front of the church and shaking the preacher's hand? Is 75 minutes long enough for a service? Or can the Holy Spirit only move if the service is two hours long? What style of music is the right style? How loud should it be? Should you raise your hands when you worship? Do you lay hands on people for healing? Does it require a preacher or can anyone pray? Do you have to come to the front or can you be healed in your seat? Preaching or teaching? By the way, which is really fascinating to me, 
Because preaching and teaching are the same thing. The only difference is the volume of the voice of the person who's speaking. Right? If I say the same thing that I'm saying to you right now, but I'm yelling, you would call it preaching. Right? I wouldn't have to say anything different. I'd be preaching because I'm yelling. Is it potlucks? Or is it catering? Those are things people actually fight about. Listen, it's all different methods, right? And some of them are very precious to you depending on your faith background and your tradition. But here at MFA, we've decided not to get hung up over methods. Listen, our method, our our message will never change. Our message will remain the same forever. But if you've been here long enough, you know that our methods change continually. In this case, Jesus used a very different and a strange method. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears, and then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Now, this is just me, but I'm not sure that I want somebody spitting and then touching my tongue. Matter of fact, I don't want someone not spitting and touching my tongue. Okay, matter of fact, I don't want anybody touching my tongue. It's just weird. Right? If, if I did that to you during prayer time, if you came forward and I said, stick out your tongue, and I went, and then I swiped it down your tongue, what would you do? Right? You probably wouldn't be very happy with me. Right? Some of you would puke. Some of you would maybe even hit me. But the deaf man didn't do any of that. He didn't freak out over an unusual method. Instead, he trusted Jesus and received his healing. Don't freak out when something is different. Now listen, I tried to find a different phrase than freak out, something that was a little bit more polished, maybe something that was a little bit more pastory, whatever that means, or or a more professional way to, to say it. But I couldn't think of a better way to describe the reaction that you encounter when you encounter something new and something different. Do you remember the first time you walked into this church or a church like it? Right, you might have been pretty freaked out. Right, people were raising their hands and and clapping and praying out loud. Some people were even speaking a, a weird language. My dad's here with me today, and I'll never forget, it was probably about eight years ago, and it was the first time that dad had been to the church since I became an AG pastor, and, and he was at the church, and we were had an amazing time of worship um, going on at the church, and, and all of a sudden, down in the altar area, there was this lady that started dancing and swaying back and forth. You guys know those, those old Tommy Pentecostal people that would fill the altars and would go, and all of a sudden, I see my dad and my brother, who had been raised Baptist all of their lives, sit there, and I see my brother nudge my dad and point and cover his mouth trying not to laugh. All of this happens while I'm leading worship and I'm being distracted because they're sitting there laughing going, oh man, this is great. And it was, it was a little bit weird. But you know what? It was okay. By the way, the lady who was doing it is a dear saint of God who loves Jesus and just got excited in worshiping. Can I tell you, it's okay to get excited in worship, amen? 
Man, maybe the first time you came, you heard somebody begin to speak in other tongues and, 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 and gave a word of tongues, and you're like, what in the world? They're speaking gibberish, right? Maybe people were laughing in church or, or they were crying. Now listen, that's not supposed to happen in church, is it? Right? Church is supposed to be this quiet and reserved and, and somber and predictable place with no emotion at all. Right? No. Remember the first time that you saw us lay hands on someone and pray with them? Maybe you were trying to figure out what it was all about. Maybe you'd never seen that before. Learn from the deaf mute. Don't freak out if something's different. Don't let methods keep you from the message. We serve a flexible and creative God who works in amazingly different ways. Pastor Greg at our Little Rock campus um, emailed this back on January 3rd, and I wanted to read this story to you. I was told this praise report by Nisha Graves last night in Bible study. Nisha had been having trouble with her shoulder for all of 2018. She had gone to physical therapy and still hasn't been able to raise her hand past her shoulders. She was attending church online last week, which meant that she was watching church online, either through Facebook or the website. And during the worship time, she said this, I got into the worship and was worshiping God, and I lifted my hands in worship. And for the first time, I was able to lift my hands past my shoulders without pain. God healed me. He said as she was talking, she was lifting her hands up above her head without any pain. Now listen, God uses all kinds of methods Nisha was healed online with nobody touching her, nobody anointing her head with oil, nobody praying with her. God uses so many different kinds of methods. He's not restricted by time, space, or or people or places. You want to know why Jesus, when he was here, didn't pray for someone online? They didn't have online yet. But if they had, I guarantee you, Jesus would have prayed for somebody online. He used all kinds of different methods. Now, a lady named Michelle Tyson was healed in a different way. And I want you to listen to her miracle story. I was playing with my grandson one day, and he, as grandsons do, jumped on my legs, and I knew immediately that I had injured my knee. And as time went on, it just got worse and worse and to the point that I had to have an MRI and the MRI revealed that I had a complete lateral tear in my meniscus. It went completely across the back of my knee. And so as these months went on, it swelled and got to the point where I had no range of motion. So I uh, went to a surgeon and he confirmed that yes, I did need to have surgery. He wanted to do it right away, but because my schedule is so crazy, I had to put it off until Thanksgiving. Um, I was walking through the church. I had my knee brace on. I was in the worst pain I'd been in from day one of the surgery, of the injury. And um, Beth Cooper saw me limping up the stairs, trying to get up the stairs to the sanctuary and asked me what was wrong. And so I told her, you know, I have a torn meniscus. I'm having surgery. It hurts. And she's like, well, we just prayed for Tim Holder in the Sunday school room. And 
uh, he's completely healed. He took his brace off and he started walking. And I'm like, well, then we need to pray. So we walked around into the sanctuary and there were several people there with us. And Bev went down and laid her hands on my knee. And she said, you know, uh, I'm going to pray for you. And, and I didn't hear her even say anything. I wasn't hearing her prayers or anything. And uh, she stood up and she said, you know, that Revelation 12:11 says that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And that because of Tim's testimony, you're being healed. And the faith that you're going to have from your being healed is going to help heal other people. And when worship started, I stood up and the whole time when worship started, I'm thinking, my knee doesn't hurt at all. And I'm like bending my knee and moving it around. And, and I was so excited that I wasn't in pain anymore. I don't know why he chose me that day, but because he did, I was completely healed. I am thankful for a friend like Bev Cooper that would take the time in the middle of a busy hallway at church and pray for my healing. God can heal you while you're watching online. God can heal you during worship. He can heal you in the hallway before church. You can be healed while a pastor is praying for you. You can be healed while your friends pray for you. You can be healed while you're just walking around doing the normal everyday things of life. You can be healed up front during a prayer time. Now, God, God might not do things the way that they were always done in the church that you went to as a child. But man's traditions and opinions don't stop God from working how God wants to work. He is God. We are not. And so Jesus spit, and then he touched the tongue. He looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh to him, said a word in Aramaic that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, which means be opened. And at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Man, that was an incredible miracle. But I want to know more. The deaf-mute man who didn't know how to speak or even what words sounded like began to spoke clearly. How in the world did a guy who had never spoken and never heard know how to speak? Right? I want to know how his friends reacted. And you know what I really want to know? What did he say? What were his first words? I don't think his first words were mommy and daddy. I believe that his first words that he ever spoke were in praise and gratitude to Jesus. He was speaking, Jesus, Master, Savior, Lord, my healer, my deliverer, my king. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. And the same Jesus that healed that man can heal you. What a powerful truth. Jesus can heal you. You don't have to live with that illness or that disease. You don't have to live with that addiction. You can be healed, you can be delivered, and you can be set free. Then in verse 36, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. Isn't that just like human nature? Right? Jesus instructed them not to tell anyone, and they told everyone. Now today, 
Jesus says, go and tell, tell everyone, and far too often we tell no one. I love verse 37. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. Now I want you to underline that phrase in your outline that I gave you. He has done everything well. We're going to talk about that phrase for just a moment. There was an expression of their confidence and conviction about the past. They looked back at what Jesus had done before. After the last miracle, they kicked him out of town. Now they took another look at his ministry, and their reaction was, he has done everything well. Not just he healed this man well, they reflected on the past, the demoniac, and in light of Jesus' power in the present, they determined that was also a good thing. Listen, I share their conviction. Jesus has done everything well. I didn't always know that Jesus was going to do things well. There are times that I don't understand and things don't seem to make sense to me. There were times that I doubted his presence. But now as I look back on my life and at those experiences, I can say with certainty that he has done everything well. Listen, I didn't understand why God let me lose my hearing in my left ear. Looking back on it, though, I get it. He has done everything well. I don't understand why I've been having back pain and migraines for over three years. I don't know why the doctors can't figure out what's going on. But as I reflect back, it's easy to see that he has done everything well. Listen, I don't know why my mom had breast cancer twice and had to have surgery. I don't know why my dad has small cell lung cancer and is having to have ongoing treatments. But in spite of all of it, he has done everything well. Maybe this statement is something that you can't fully comprehend until this life is over. I don't know. But from the vantage point of heaven and eternity, you'll be able to look back and over every moment of your life, and you'll see all the times that God was working in the background. When you do that, I guarantee you that you're going to say, He has done everything well. Those times in your life when you didn't know exactly what God was doing, you will look and say, that's exactly the way that He should have done it. He couldn't have done it any better way. He has done everything well. The times that you thought God was putting more on you than you could handle. The circumstances seemed unfair. The times that you raised your, your head and you shouted your questions at God. When you get to heaven, you're going to look back on, on those same experiences and you're going to say, Lord, I declare you have done everything well. Can you imagine how life would change if you lived every day with that conviction that you have done everything well? How much differently would you face sickness Grief, sorrow, disappointment, discouragement, and failure. If you could just remember that he has done everything well. Listen to me, if Jesus has been sufficient in the past, if he has handled all the details of your life in the past, then you can confidently look forward to the future and know that he will do everything well. Because if Jesus 
has done all things well, then he will do all things well. Can God really forgive you of your sins? Can he come into your life and and save you from an eternity in hell? He has done everything well, and he will do everything well. Can Jesus clean your life of lust and addiction? He has done everything well, and he will do everything well. Can Jesus give you the power to be the the kind of man, the husband and the father that you should be? He has done everything well, and he will do everything well. Can Jesus help you find a way out of your financial situation? He has done everything well, and he will do everything well. Why are you going through this pain and this sickness? Will this thing never end? Listen, he has done everything well, and he will do everything well. Even when you don't understand, even when you doubt, he will do everything well. And in response to that truth, I want you to make this decision. I will trust him. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. There is a God who you can always depend on. There is a God that you can lean on. There is a God who will always be there. You can trust Him. It's a quiet place. It gives me peace when I'm alone with you. There's a hiding place.
So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Man, I love that verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has done all things well. He will do all things well. You can always count on Him. He's not going to let you down. He'll be there every single time that you need Him. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You can trust Him. He does all things well. Jesus, that's what we declare today. God, that you have done everything well. And you will do everything well. So Lord, I pray for the person who's in the valley of discouragement. God, and it's difficult to understand what's going on. God, I pray that you would encourage them 
God, that you have done everything well. God, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same way that you healed the man in the Bible, you can, you can heal Nisia online. You can heal Michelle in the hallway. You're not restricted by time, by space, or methods, or places. But you do all things well. Lord, I ask you today to heal people in this room and people watching online as we pray. God, we recognize, Lord, that the miracle is not in our method. The miracle is because of your power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you need a miracle, I want you to stand up right where you are. You'd say, well, I've stood before. I don't care. Listen, if you need a miracle, I want you to stand up right now. You need God to heal you. I want you to stand. you to do is I want you to step out and come to the front. There's nothing special about the front. There's there's no magic to it. But what we do want to do is we want to pray with you. And we want you to know that your church is behind you. We want you to hear people praying for you. So here's what I'd like you to do if you're out there and you're not up here, you don't need prayer today, then what I'd like you to do is if you believe that God can heal, I want you to come and stand with someone up front. Maybe it's a friend, a husband, uh, someone you don't even know, but, but I'd like someone to come stand with each and every person that we've got up front here. And we're going to take just a few moments... And we're going to begin to pray. Maybe maybe you didn't stand up. Maybe you were too afraid that, that, that what people were going to say, what people were going to think. And maybe you should have come up for prayer. If that's you, would you just step out from where you are and come down here? Listen, nobody's judging you. Nobody's wondering what's going on. People just want to pray for you and pray for God's healing over your life. So can we do that as... As Ashley continues to play, we want to pray for you this morning. Begin to pray there out loud for them. Today, if you're watching online, I want to pray with you and believe God for your healing as well. So God, right now, we pray over people who are watching online, who are watching on Facebook. God, and we pray that right now in their house, right now in their car, wherever it is that they're watching, God, that your supernatural healing touch would come to the place that they are. God, and we declare healing in Jesus' name. God, by his stripes we were healed, and by his stripes we are healed. God, you have done everything well, so you will do everything well. God, and we thank you right now for your healing touch that is touching people right now. God, as they watch online. 
God, we thank you that you're a God who is not restricted by place. You're not restricted by time. You're not restricted by people. God, because you are, you are everything, you are all powerful. God, you can heal anywhere. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.